events for breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Events for Breakfast. Now we are midway through November and I'm sat here in my little studio today and it's a really crisp cold day. Um, Loving the autumn vibes, loving how it's all feeling and um, feeling quite positive. So how are all you guys doing? Now I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host and also as you guys know I am an event manager myself and I wanted to share my experience with you of delivering a virtual event, which I did very recently. I've done quite a few virtual events now, obviously through the summer, but this one in particular was quite tricky and complex. And I thought what would be really good is if we we take some time just to break it down, really understand the process that I went through, how we brought it all together, how we delivered it, and the end outcome. So we are absolutely in knee deep in virtual events at the moment, aren't we? And when we thought that we were going to come through the other side and start doing live events again, we have found out that no, we're going to continue with virtual and hopefully a hybrid again at some point once lockdown's over and we can come back into real life a little bit more. First, virtual events. As we know, a virtual event is all down to the content, it's down to the platform, it's all down to the planning and production. So the planning and production is no different to a live event. This event in particular was super tricky. It was across three continents. So we had Europe, we had Africa, and we had Brazil, so South America. So we had lots of different audiences from all across the globe, really. Different languages, different cultures, very different time zones and different ways of wanting to deliver deliver content. So we had two weeks to deliver this event, to plan to deliver this event. And I know, and it's a really, really short lead time, we know that, but we managed it and it was a, it was a super success. I'm just gonna take you through that whole process now. So we delivered this event at the end of October and the initial brief actually came into us just after the beginning of October. So it was a really short lead in time and part of that process was the pitch, which we won successfully. This was a really high profile event, so I'm not going to go into all the details and we are just going to talk around the companies rather than the companies that were involved in it. But just to give you a bit of background, it was for a really senior corporate company and it was around forging better links between the countries that I mentioned earlier. So the different cultures and and the ways of working really and just forging better links, better partnerships. Now already we knew that we were going to have some really senior ministers from the different countries involved in this virtual event and they were going to be presenting. And when I say senior, I really do mean senior. So obviously taking that away from the brief, we had to take away and think, well, this virtual event platform, whichever one we choose, has got to come across as a really slick and professional system. Our presenters that are going to come on board are going to want to feel really comfortable and confident that we've got a really professional system. So that was first and foremost. Because of the level of the, the presenters and the clientele and the clients that were involved and, the, and also the people that were going to be watching this virtual event, we wanted to make sure that it really did have a really high production value of broadcast. So that was really key when we were looking through what platforms to use. 
so it wasn't just going to be a Zoom event in, in any way, shape or form. It really had to have that feel from a user perspective that they were watching a broadcast. And from that presenter perspective, these really high profile senior ministers that were involved in it, we wanted them to feel like they were part of a broadcast. So we had to think about making sure that the platform that we were using had got a green room, so we could take them into a green room, that they, were, we, they could see that we were, we were actually working from a studio, obviously social distance, but the, the technical team and myself were working from a studio, and within the green room they could see that. So we wanted them to feel that they were part of a really big, high profile, high production value broadcast. That was first and foremost. Now, before we talk more about our presenters and where they were in the world and their requirements from a technical and a broadcast perspective, I just want to talk about content and how this content was built. This was a really collaborative approach like we talk about. So we'd got, we'd got presenters and key stakeholders in Brazil. They were in South Africa and they were also in Europe. And they really were devising this, this content by committee. Now, any event manager that knows when we are devising things by committee, we do take a bit of a breath here, don't we? Because we know it is never a really easy process to follow. So we were two weeks out, we'd won the pitch and there was no content. And what they did decided to do, the stakeholders, was to hold these alignment calls. And when we are discussing the alignment calls, we had presenters that were not usually working together from all these different countries. They didn't know each other and they were given a certain amount of time within a format of an agenda to come up with their session. Now, they called them panel sessions and some of these panel sessions were an hour and a half long. It became very clear quickly that nobody was really leading the alignment calls and as useful as they were for the presenters from a production point of view they were really difficult to follow so what we needed to do very very quickly was to set up a walkthrough of all the content now this was painstakingly slow bearing in mind there was three whole days of sessions and we'd got content coming from all the different concepts we've discussed before so we had to work with the key stakeholders and do a step-by-step -step walkthrough there wasn't the time to actually let them go away and come back to us with the finalized product we were at the point where we needed to actually write the technical running order and the only way we were going to do this quickly so that we could provide all of our platform providers and all the technical teams their technical running orders was to sit with them over a team's call and go through it step by step. So content is one of the really difficult things to work through, isn't it? We know that. So um, my point there is really, if you've got the time and you are working through virtual events, if you've got the time, then please do set those key milestones around when you want the content from your client um, and what you're expecting from that content. So you want that step-by-step -step running order, don't you? So that from a virtual point of view, you can pass that to your technical team and they can write that technical running order that we know is key when we're doing virtual events. So as an event manager, sometimes we are very logistic-led, aren't we? And for us, sometimes the call sheet is the most important thing. But I think for virtual events, we do need to point out that that technical running order is running the show. It's all virtual. So getting that technical running order down on paper, whether it's draft, whether you've got blank bits in it, just mark it all out as quickly as you can. Get that down so your thoughts are down on paper so you can share it. That is number one for me when you are doing your virtual events. So technical running order ticked. The other really big thing which took up a lot of time was our presenter technical checks. 
in a normal world when we're working live, then obviously we do that. We, we pencil out a day and we get everybody in, in the room and you do a full technical check and a full run through of your show. When you've got 55 presenters from all over the world, all with very senior people, with diaries that are inflexible because they are so senior, we had to open up the diary for the studio across multiple days to fit all of the technical running orders in. So that's something to really think about when you are, when you're thinking about your time within your studio and how much time you need pre-event, you are going to need that time to set technical running orders up. And why are the technical running orders so important? Well, everybody is dialing in first and foremost, and they are dialing in off their own connectivity. So their own Wi-Fi, their own ethernet cables, whatever they've got at home or in their offices across the world or wherever they may be, some of them are actually on their phones as well, dialing in. You are, you are relying on their connectivity. So we can't just have them rocking up on the day, just ready to join the, the actual virtual event. We need to test their, their connectivity. We need to check their background to make sure that they're lit correctly and they've got quite a neutral background behind them. We need to check that the, the position that they sit themselves in on the screen is central and that actually the audience can see you and it's not just, or the presenter, so it's not just a little bit of a head showing or they're off to the side and, and they are central and, and foremost on that picture because that is really important. When we're watching virtual events, it's all about that person on the screen, so we want as much of them on the screen as possible. So we know that the technical rehearsals are really important, but some of these pre presenters are so senior that they don't turn up for them themselves. They might send their executive assistant, and what we found and what we learned very quickly was some of these executive assistants were not using the hardware that the presenters were going to be using. They were not in the location using the Wi-Fi or the connectivity that the presenter would be using. So we really had to go back to the drawing board very quickly to say, okay, well, we, we need to make sure that all the presenters, all 55 presenters are using the right hardware and are in the location. So my message to you with that is please do make sure that you do that, that you ask that in your briefing for your technical rehearsals. Presenters, if they're not going to turn up themselves, their executive assistant or whoever needs to be in the location with the right connectivity that they're going to be using on the day. Now the really nice thing about this event was that it was multi multicultural and we were going to be translating the languages across a couple of different languages. So we had Brazilian Portuguese and we also had English. So one session may have been presented in English and then moving on to the next session they may have been presenting in Portuguese. So what we actually had was two different platforms that our people, our delegates could actually log into. One of them was for the native tongue of Brazilian Portuguese and the other platform was for English. So we had two sets of translators actually lined up for the event and throughout the event as we were switching and the presenters were switching from Brazilian to English, Brazilian Portuguese to English should I say, they, the translators were very quickly switching from each other to the other one and making sure that whatever platform you were on you could hear it in whatever native tongue that you were listening in or wanted to listen in should I say. So the translators were really good and they did a fantastic job. Now there's some points here, our translators that we used actually were audio, so they were basically, as the, as the presenters were talking, they were talking, they were dubbed in over the top and they were talking verbally, so the audio was coming out, so it was spoken. Obviously translation wise you can also use text, so you can have your subtitles going along the bottom.
We tried and demoed both ways for this actually and the, and the translation company actually told us that the audio version is better and all the big government, um, government events do use the audio version rather than the subtitle version. Now there are pros and cons of both and for this event the audio version was definitely better. My tip for you though is to please make sure that for your translators to give them the best possible um, opportunity to get this right for the client is to make sure that you get the scripts of all the presenters first before you go live and then the, the translators can have them in front of them. Now obviously presenters don't talk word for word, we know that and that's not a problem, but if you can at least give your translator some sort of script, some sort of bullet points in front of them, then at least they're not going in blind and they can do the best possible job for the client and for the delegates that are actually listening to. Coming back to my presenters. So these 55 presenters across three days, like I talk about, were coming in through different various stages of connectivity, um, they were dropping in and out. We had one lady that was actually in Nigeria and there was some civil unrest in Nigeria and a lot of the internet was down. So we did multiple technical checks with her and we had her on different, um, different hardware and different connections. So even on the day when you think you've done all your technical checks, we know what connectivity is like. It fluctuates, doesn't it? So you need to make sure that you've got a green room, a holding area on your virtual platform where you can bring your presenters in early. There's a couple of reasons you do this so that you can work through any technical problems with connectivity, with your visuals, with your audio. The other reason is that then you've got your people in your green room, just like we do have live and they can create that environment, they can create that collaboration already. So they're, they're building the, the relationship before they go on stage or go live, should I say, into the broadcast. So whenever you're working with a technical provider, definitely ask for a green room and have that facility available. Also have that technician on hand that is not running the show. So as people are joining the green room, they are there and they are checking the tech, they're checking the connectivity and they're checking the person can be seen and can be heard too. So we talked about how important that technical running order is. The other really key thing that we did, and I'm sure you guys do as well, but just to bring it out and, and talk about it, is that dry run. Now, for us, we were never going to get all 55 presenters to join us for a dry run before the event, but we had the key people with us, we had the platform open, and we had some people in the audience from the company that we were running it for, so they could actually experience what was going on. We also, within the dry run, was able to test the translators. So our key hosts and our panels that we had as part of the dry run, they were switching between the two different languages. We had different tests of videos. We had the Q&A running through Slido and the people in the, in the virtual audience were able to ask questions. And we were just able to iron out any problems that we may come across on the day so we could do that beforehand. So I know it's difficult and it is really difficult to get a full dry run in, but whatever that looks like and whatever people you've got involved in that, it's really good with your technical partner, with the key um, show caller, with your technical director and yourself and, a, and the host to sit down and go through it. It will make it so much more super slick on the day and give you that full, full broadcast experience that we were hoping for. 
So obviously I'm talking very technical here, aren't I? And we do know that there are other elements within a virtual event that are just as important. So you've got the platform design, you've got the branding development around that, you've got your graphic designers and your, your editors in the background that are producing all of your presentations, you've got all of that content that's being built, all the videos and the audio files that you might need. So all of that was all happening in the background within those two weeks, that two week period we had to pull this event together. And then we went live. And I can tell you it was an absolute roaring success. The delegate experience, so from the platform perspective, was, was spot on to watch it, to sit back and watch it in their homes and get involved in the different panels via the Slido and the Q&A sessions. It felt like a proper broadcast experience for them and you could tell that they were really lapping it all up and enjoying each of the panels that were going on. In terms of back of house, obviously we've got the green room and the technical team looking after all of our presenters. And then my role was really the go between between our clients and between the technical team to keep everything smooth and slick, tweaking things as we needed to. Now we're working in this virtual world, so the client wasn't with me, as you know, and I'm sure you guys have done exactly the same. The client was at home, were watching it from a user, from a delegate's experience at home, and we had WhatsApp groups set up, and I was able to respond and act really quickly. So there was different key stakeholders that were involved in the WhatsApp groups and they were looking at it from different elements, obviously, with their own points of view. So I was getting the WhatsApps through and I was able to go through to the studio to let them know what changes and tweaks we needed. And even though we were not all together in that same environment, we were still able to feel like one team collaboratively working together across the globe, actually, to pull this event together. So we all miss that buzz of that live event, don't we? But I really did enjoy being in the studio, working with the technical team and then collaborating with the stakeholders and the client to make sure that everything was super slick and the end user was getting that right experience. So the buzz was still there for me and that, was, that was, really did make me happy and make me leap out of bed every morning as we were doing the event. What I would say to you is don't forget all of those little extra touches that we always put in those live events to keep it really engaging. Um, don't forget them in the virtual event as well. So when people are logging onto the platform, make sure that you've got those wonderful welcome slides and perhaps a video that's playing that's making them feel ready and engaged with the event that's about to start. Make sure that perhaps you do those countdowns, you know, when we're in that live event um, experience, we do have those countdowns down, don't we, that talk about five minutes to go, two minutes to go, we have the flashy lights and things, so try and build that into your, your build-up of that virtual event. When you're coming into breaks, again, we always have those little breaks and the icebreakers and things. So is there things that you can do in your virtual event to just make sure, again, that in the breaks that they're communicated too well and they've got things that are a little bit refreshing and a little bit different to keep them entertained and, and a light mood while we're going through those breaks, really. Transitional stings and animations are really good as well. Now, when we think about that live broadcast and we're moving, switching, say, from a speaker back to the host or from a host to a video, when you're watching television, you always see those lovely animations and the stings that work through to keep everything seamless. So we did build the, the animations and the stings. And again, it's just those extra touches that do make it a fully polished end-to-end -end user experience. 
So think about that. You've got your content, you've got your presenters, you've got such a nice show set up, but just think about those different things that you want or you'd want if you were part of that, um, the user experience and what would you want to feel? How would you want to feel engaged? How would you want to feel actively involved in this, in this from end to end and making sure that it's completely seamless? Another really big tip for me was I could have very easily stayed at home and worked virtually from, for this event. Um, we're in lockdown at the moment and I know we're not allowed really to go to studios and things unless it is for a work purpose. Um, but I would encourage you as the project manager to be with your technical team. I know it's a virtual event, but you need to be with them. Um, and then you're working through the problems together. You are there live with them. You can see the presenters in the green room and you can help and, and troubleshoot and be there and, and make decisions on the go. And you're part of that team. And then you will get that, that buzz of a little bit of a live event feel too. So it just helps to have you and the technical team together rather than you all trying to do it virtually. My final tip, and it might sound obvious, but we were working across different time zones here from South Africa, Brazil, the UK, um, across Europe, and we had different times at the time before um, British summertime ended. Um, so plan your day during your planning stages. Think about when you're going to expect to get responses from the different um, time zones that you are working with so that you can plan through um, and make sure that any suppliers or any different team members that are expecting updates and things from you, you can tell them that, oh, Brazil are three hours behind us. We're not going to hear anything at least until midday. They won't wake up until such and such a time. So plan that in. Um, that really, really is important. Otherwise, you're going to end up losing time because you're chasing your tail a little bit there. And my very, very last tip is be confident with this. Now, we are virtual event managers now, and for most of us, this was not what we signed up for. However, I'm pretty much enjoying it now. I'm getting really into it. Now, you've got to be confident. So you've got to put confidence in the people around you. So that's your stakeholders. That might be your clients. That might be your teams that you're working with, um, your colleagues and your peers, even and your suppliers as well. So have confidence. No matter what you do, you know, you are an event manager. And whether it's virtual or live, you can work through solutions. As long as you have got the right partners around you, you can find solutions solutions for all of this. Yes, we may not completely fully understand what vision mix is and all of these different things that are going on technically, but have the confidence. We know that clients, we know that different um, stakeholders are nervous around all of these technical elements and you need to be the person that is absolutely in control of all of this and doing that piece that we know event managers do best and be the swan. So you're paddling underneath the water your feet are going but on top you are gliding through it and just keeping everybody calm and making sure that the process is calm and professional for everybody sounds easy hey as you can see i'm becoming quite passionate about virtual events and i do think that we're going to be sticking with them for a while and i know that hybrid events when they come around we you know hybrid events are going to have that virtual element and as we go back into live events then to get that better reach across the world and, and people even across the UK, we're still going to have those virtual elements. And I do think they going forward, it's going to enhance that live event moment. So don't run away from it. Just enjoy it. And if I can help in any way to talk you through anything, I've tried to be really basic in what I've talked about today and, and take it back to real the 
back to basics so that we can just walk us through it step by step as event manager to event manager just to talk through it. But if you've got any questions and you want me to take you through anything in more detail, then please reach out. I'm Kelly Frew and you'll find me on all the socials and my um, company is Storymaker Events. So you can also find Storymaker Events on all the socials or my website storymakerevents.com. I really hope you're enjoying this podcast. I'm loving um, taking you through all of my experience and having all the guests on it too. So if you are enjoying it, then subscribe on your usual podcast provider and give me a little cheeky five-star rating. So until next time, please do take care of yourself. Um, Stay safe, safe and well. And lockdown is nearly over. I am keeping my fingers crossed. Two more weeks and we will be out there. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend and I will speak to you again soon. Take care now. Bye.